0: Hello and welcome to Run the Table. I'm your host, Bryce Tinson. Obert, how are we doing? I'm doing good. How about you? How was your football weekend? Mine was kind of rough. It
1: was good. It was good. Got to watch some good games. Um... I fixed it pretty well um in large part, and uh Texas lost, which wasn't good, but hey it's bigger than me right i mean um so yeah pretty good all, all around
0: yeah i it wasn't good for me the only i think the only good thing that happened um for me was that Michigan one, and i don't i it didn't look great great no didn't look great so you know, it was it was it, so we got takeaways. Five uh, college football, five NFL, the same as usual. Uh, Obert, would you like to start with your first college football takeaway? Sure. Uh, uh, This one hurts. This one
1: does hurt. Saturday showed the difference between USC and Texas. Uh,
0: Oh, man. That one one definitely.
1: Hook'em lost on Saturday to Texas Tech in a very close game where they held a 14-point advantage in the at least second half, I'm thinking fourth quarter. 31-17, Thirty-one seventeen. The Longhorns were up, and you can just see on the sideline. Um, as soon as Texas Tech starts to come back on that first drive to get it within seven, just panic ensues on the on the on the sideline. Nobody has been there before. Nobody seems like they're ready to seize the moment. Um, and sure enough, Texas Tech. What do they do? Go down, score a touchdown. Uh, Texas has the ball. Still fine. You're up seven with the ball, fourth quarter. Um, I think somehow they got stuck, pinned within their own ten. That that memory serves me is is sticking in the back of my head. Um,
0: let's let's just say it happened.
1: Three and out. Uh, you know, Texas looked like I said, frantic on the sideline, just jumping up and down. People not knowing how to handle the moment and punts. Texas Tech ties the game thirty-one thirty-one. Of course they do. Of course they do. Scores easily. Defense had been pretty good all game, but as soon as they got to the fourth quarter and what looked to be a close game, they panic. Uh, but Texas still has the ball, five minutes left, a uh, chance to win the game. All they need is three. Um, and third down. And Steve Sarkeesian, like I said, as he had been doing the whole fourth quarter, it looks like he's panicking. He's screaming at the quarterback (laughs) at Hudson Card. Hey, move this guy over. Move this guy over. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Screaming out of control. Totally not relaxed. Panicking. Uh, Oh, my gosh. I'm going to blow another lead. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to lose again in the fourth quarter. And they lost. They punt the ball away. Texas Tech scores a field goal. They come back, force overtime. Bijan fumbles in overtime. Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Um, the point being this: when they lost a close game to Alabama, everyone said, "Oh my gosh, Texas!" Yeah, including is you. Back. That's what you said. Um, and Joe Clatt too, who's you know kind of a hero of mine. I love that man. Says, "Oh, they look so good. Oh my gosh! Well, they looked good. The optics, they looked good." Come on, man! I,
0: I thought I thought that was mine. I'm too.
1: What, what the bloody heck?
0: That's not me. That's unbelievable.
1: Um, anyway, oh, they look good. The optics were fantastic. This was a good close loss. yada. yada oh my gosh. They look fantastic. Why do we need to see Texas looking good? Listen, if it took you this long to find out, hey, Texas has a, you know, fantastic team and extremely talented team, that's never been their problem. Their problem has never been, oh, well, we don't have the talent to match up with Alabama. They do have the talent. The problem is the culture. They outplay a team like Alabama or Texas Tech or what have you and they blow the lead because they don't have the culture to finish those games off and people can tell me you know 10 times in a day that oh they look good against Alabama so things are changing until they pull off one of these close wins in a game where they outplayed their opponent I'm not going to believe them I'm not and the opposite with USC is they you know play a game against Oregon State and it looked ugly
0: and a lot of people picked that as an upset too yeah
1: Caleb Williams has the worst game of his career. Uh, Everything's going poorly. Uh, Mario Williams and Jordan Addison are doing a great job of getting open. And they're down 14-10. They forced a bunch of turnovers, but they're still down 14-10. Two minutes to go. Any any panic on the sideline? No. They are locked in, dead serious. We know we're going to come back. We've been here before. The lights aren't too bright. It's a humongous Corvallis screaming crowd. We're not going to get overwhelmed by the situation. We're going to find a way to win football games because that's what we do. I will always, till the day I die, in a rebuilding situation like Texas and USC are in, take a win, a close, ugly win over, you know, an average opponent over a close loss where you look good over a great opponent. In rebuilds, it's about the culture. It's about finding ways to win games. That's the important thing. Not, oh, well, we look good. I know you look good. You're USC or Texas. But
0: but they had a backup quarterback. Does that... Does that not mean anything, the fact that... It wasn't
1: their offense. Their offense scored 31 points right. in regulation yeah. to a terrible Texas Tech offense that yeah. couldn't put up more than 14 points against NC State. It was pathetic.
0: Yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm putting it out there right now. Minnesota is a playoff contender. <gasps> yeah. You look at the schedule, they play in the Big Ten West. This really isn't that big of, a, uh, uh, of an exclamation. The one game that they have to get through for this to be true is Penn State. That is literally it. That is the only tough game on their schedule left. And you can say Iowa. You can say Wisconsin. Those teams will always give them a run for their money because what does Minnesota like to do more than, uh, you know, uh, Ohio State or Michigan? They like to run the ball more, at least this year. Um, And Wisconsin and Iowa are, are better at stopping the run. They're better equipped to stop the run. What I saw from Iowa or from Minnesota this past weekend against Michigan State, we saw this Michigan State team coming off of a, uh, a loss to Washington, but that was in Washington. That was in Seattle. I expected a bounce back performance from the Spartans, at least to look competitive at home. You know, they're, they're in, uh, they call it the shed. They're in the shed. They're in the, the deep end. Uh, Tuck is coming. And what does Minnesota do? They are up 34 nothing. Before Minnesota or before Michigan State even sniffs the red zone, yep. it, it was complete and utter domination. They dominated every. They dominated both lines of scrimmage. They they absolutely stumped everything Michigan State was trying to do offensively and defensively. They had no answer. And Tanner Morgan had a great day in passing the ball, which is not something I expected them to do. As long as as Mo Ibrahim stays healthy. And Tanner Morgan is more like 2019 Tanner Morgan than 2020 and 2021 Tanner Morgan. This team is legit. Um, I, I can't wait for that Penn state game. I'm assuming both teams will be ranked at that point. Um, eh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be a really fun game. Oh, I can't wait. Mm.
1: Um, my second takeaway, put some respect on DJ. We lays a name. Um, A lot of talk coming into the Wake Forest game, including some from yourself. Uh, Clemson, Wake Forest, um, Cade Klubnick would come in during the second half. I
0: heard from some people not going to name (laughs) names. Hey, you can't blame me after how DJs played this season.
1: Yeah, well, anyway, um, a lot of talk, a lot of conversation. Clemson's offense was stuck in the mud, couldn't do anything, you know, just looked Chunky, looked bad, just ugh. And what I said was, listen, folks, when Clemson decides, hey, we are playing a good team, we are going to open up the offense, throw the football down the field, watch out for this guy. Because it's not like he wasn't making the throws in these games. He wasn't giving the opportunities to make these throws. He wasn't being allowed to throw the ball farther than 10 yards down the field. (laughs) If you look in the Georgia Tech game, or even some of their non-conference games against the terrible opponents, it was such... Clemson 2014 Cole Stout offense, you know, where it was everything's behind the line of scrimmage. We're going to run the ball up the middle. We're going to read option. We're going to QB draw. We're going to Tim Tebow-like offense from 2011-2012. Throw the ball behind the sticks Make or have our playmakers make plays. And then the Wake Force game, everything changed. And wouldn't you know it, DJ Uyungle has his best game of maybe his career other than the Notre Dame game. In 2020, I think um, he throws for what was it five touchdowns um, and leads the Tigers to a win 51 45 in overtime. Which, by the way, that wasn't a bad prediction. If I do say so myself, i had Clemson winning not covering. Nailed it. Um, but he proved a lot, and I think what is what we we saw in that game is if Clemson does it right, play calling wise and you know play design wise. They can win a national championship with DJ Oyonguole, and I believe that. Um, so we'll see how it goes for them the rest of the season. They get a huge game against NC State coming up, but I'd be pretty encouraged about their offense.
0: Yeah, I would be too. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I looked. The first thing I did was when it I looked pleasant because I wasn't, I wasn't able to watch the game. I I checked the box scores like DJ. Maybe a little bit of a, a coming out party. He had the the big game in relief for Trevor Lawrence in twenty twenty, but. And last year was obviously a, a down year for him and and people, including myself, doubted it. So right. I
1: was able to watch or we went to beat dubs for the first of the Clemson and uh Michigan game. So I was
0: able to catch it and he looked good. It looked good. Um Brian Harson is ruining Auburn. I I know it, it's crazy, but like Jeez. I know he was six and seven last year, right? And you'd think, well, yeah, they were six and seven. They made a bowl game. Uh, they were competitive against Auburn in in the uh, Iron Bowl last week of the season, or Alabama uh, in the last game of the season. But then you look at this season. Let me let me take you through the scores. They beat Mercer forty two sixteen. They didn't do it all that convincingly either. That was a, a closer game than you would like. Then San Jose State comes to town twenty four sixteen. What? And then I thought look ahead game. You thought look ahead game. Turns out they got ran out of the building by the Penn State Nittany Lions, forty-one to twelve. Okay, Penn State. We we it 's a really good team this year. We think Penn State is is a legit.
1: Well, I mean, as soon as I saw that game, I was like, no, Auburn's, Auburn's fun, so <laughs> it's fun. a legit team.
0: <laughs> uh, and then the very next week, they welcome in the worst SEC team this season outside of maybe Vanderbilt in the Missouri Tigers, but if you know what's going on in Missouri right now, it's nothing, nothing good. Everybody wants out of there. Everybody that's on that team has, has either, A, talked about entering the transfer portal, or deleted everything Missouri-affiliated yeah. from all of their social media. They have to go to overtime. And not only that, but it takes a missed chip-shot field goal from Missouri at the end of regulation. It takes the running back fumbling the ball out of the end zone as he was going in for the game-winning touchdown. This Auburn team looks about... In my lifetime, this is one of the worst times that Auburn has. How am I, how am I trying to put this? This is the worst, the worst, Auburn, Auburn has ever looked seen in my lifetime, and it's not even close. Like he, he it's he, crazy that they're three and one. By the way, <laughs> it, they are three and one. It, trust me, come come. The rest of the SEC uh, uh, play, it is not going to be good. They got LSU this week, then they go to Georgia, then they go to Ole Miss, then they host Arkansas, then they go to Mississippi State, then they host Texas A&M, they get Western Kentucky, who actually might beat them, seriously, and then they host Alabama, or then they go to Alabama. Uh, They might finish the rest of the season with maybe one more win. Maybe two.
1: And I think what all this goes back to is these SEC programs just completely losing their identity and thinking that they're something they're not. Um, I said that that was kind of the case with uh, LSU, but I think it was really the case with Auburn and yep. Gus Malzahn. I mean, they had so many good, you know, you know, really solid years. They, they just they wanted Alabama. They
0: wanted to be the best they and wanted to take alabama's spot for
1: auburn it's not really realistic in my opinion i'm sorry but it's like have some have some the you fact know, that
0: they had a national championship is yeah i is, think that was with uh what's his name though it was yeah it wasn't with malzahn but uh, the fact they had yeah. a national championship in you know in the past 20 years yeah. is insane considering the conference they play in and the state they share the team they share the state with like no, hey, they listen, just it, was to be Im- greedy. it
1: was impressive that they, you know, made it that far, made it to another national championship. You did have, you know, a really good quarterback that one yep. year, and that's fine. In fact, I the don't rest think, of the team was kind know, of ass. I don't, so. I don't think they should be punished for it, but I'm just saying, is it sustainable and repeatable for Auburn University no. to be better than Auburn every year? Not realistically, no. You're not Alabama. You're not going to be.
0: Um, the lesson for these non-Alabama teams, and I guess... Don't can, try and be Alabama, otherwise you're going to be Nebraska. I was going to say, I guess you can throw Georgia in here now, but it wasn't the case prior to Kirby Smart getting there, is you're trying too much to be like Alabama to the point where you then ruin your program. Yeah. I, I mean, it it, it it is getting to the point where we see these great these great sec programs that are that have you know a year here and there where they're like fantastic but every other year they're like eight and four Mm. and then they're like that's not good enough we want to be the best every single year and what happens they hire the wrong coach because they get too they're they're too impatient and you get this uh, a guy who doesn't recruit well doesn't coach well doesn't get Mm. his players ready the players don't really want to play for him he's got one of the best running backs in the country in tank bigsby and they suck like I, i don't know how that's possible
1: And and look at what's going on with LSU right now. This Kelly, your uh, Brian Kelly thing looks terrible. It's awful so far. I mean, I I think he's a good coach, but I I don't know what their outlook is. I don't know if it's going to work. We'll see. I think it's a tough culture fit, but we'll see. Uh, Michigan. Might have growing pains to start the Big Ten season. (laughs) That's okay. a little bit. That's okay, folks. Listen. Everyone is going to see the Michigan game. They you know, we're down in that game thirteen to ten right before halftime and they're going to start to panic and say, They're not better than Ohio State. Oh my gosh, yada yada, yada. Okay, listen, Ohio State's not replacing two first round picks on their defensive line. Ohio State's not replacing their quarterback for a new young quarterback who hasn't started, you know, a big game really in his life yet, other yeah. than this Maryland game. Um, you know, so there's and Ohio State isn't replacing four three or four starters three. on their own line. I think it's three. Um it happens. It's going to take time for this team to come into its own. Last year's team took time to come into its own. That's how Jim Harbaugh teams really have done things. And that's okay. Folks, last year, you know, Michigan, Rutgers, it's twenty to three at halftime. What's the score of final score? Twenty thirteen. Twenty to thirteen. Yeah, we've seen game. this happen. Um Penn State game even. That was yep. a seven 20- and five. Twenty-one seventeen 17 was the final on that one. 7 and 5 a, Penn State team finished at the end of the year. Need a touchdown. It's a with, four point game. Eric All Three minutes left? Yeah, two or three minutes left. Nebraska. Nebraska is a two point game against a three two two three, three win team. Game. 30, 32 point, 29. Yeah. Um, against a three win team. It happens. All right. It's going to take a little bit. And honestly, what do you expect? You have your backup running back, workhorse guy, Donovan Edwards, go down, not. During the game, but I guess in practice or something. Or was he's he's been having
0: he's he played week one hasn't played since he's been dealing with some like injuries.
1: Dealing with some injuries, you get the backup running back in. Of course, he's going to fumble. You know what I mean? He's never been in a big moment like this. Of course, of course, he's going to cough up the football. (laughs) It happens. He got one carry.
0: JJ McCarthy the the rest of the game.
1: (laughs) JJ McCarthy, yes, it's his first start within Big Ten conference play ever. Of course, he's going to miss a couple of passes. Cade missed a bunch of passes last year and has missed a ton of passes in weeks one, two, and three. It happens. It's a part of the game. There are going to be some growing pains. I'm not panicked. Nobody should be. They're playing Iowa, and then it's at Indiana next week. I think they win both of those games comfortably, probably by two scores. Um, Did I overestimate how good they were immediately coming into the Big Ten season? Yes, of course I did, a little bit. We didn't know. We really didn't know. They did play really poor non-conference opponents but a lot of teams do so it's tough to you know differentiate where it is you know and um,
0: and, and you wouldn't know how good Ohio State is either because Notre Dame looks like doggy exactly so it's like it's tough
1: and and you know people will say okay well and I didn't have Michigan as high as Ohio State in my AP top 25 I moved them down okay yep. I did, so did I. Ohio State looked a little bit better it is what it is don't panic Who cares? Yes, Ohio State looks better in September. Good thing they don't play the, you know, uh, one of the best rivalries in college football in September. No, they play in November on Thanksgiving, Saturday, actually, Saturday after Thanksgiving. All right. Michigan wasn't better than Ohio State at this point last year. They weren't. They weren't. Ohio State was one of the best teams in the country. But when it got to November, when it got in the snow, when it got in the cold and, you know, you had to run the football, Michigan was the much better team. I'm not worried about it. Nobody else should be. Good thing is they get an ease into their conference schedule. It'll ramp up. Um, I think Iowa is a win. I don't think they're any better than Maryland. So we'll see how it goes. And by the way, they were up two scores with, you know, five minutes left. Yeah. 34-19. All right. So let's take a deep breath. And they might have some growing pains. It's not like we haven't seen it before.
0: I'll, I'll, talk, I'll get into the Michigan-Iowa matchup more uh, on Friday when we, uh, when we release the picks episode Because we are picking that game. Six games this week for college football. We just couldn't, we couldn't cut one of them. We had five ranked matchups, and then we felt like we had to talk about Michigan-Iowa. Iowa. So there's that. Um, JMU is going to be in contention for one of the best group of five teams this season. And because of a stupid rule, they might, they're not going to be able to compete for a bowl. They're not, not let alone a a BC or a, a New Year Six Bowl. They won't be in a bowl period because the NCAA decides that hey, you know there needs to be a transitional period where they don't get to compete for their conference title, they don't get to compete for any postseason anything. They play their regular season schedule, and that is it. Well, I hate to break it to you, but James Madison is going to, right now is one of the best offenses in the country. They just came back from twenty eight to three against App State, which was uh you, you you can't make that stuff up the 28 to 3 number and you look at the rest of their schedule, the schedule the only game that really worries me is going to louisville and in louisville we, we've seen them this season they're not a, a world beater team uh, it, so far they beat middle tennessee state 44 to 7 is something that uh miami couldn't do which i'll get into mm-hmm. in, a, in a second um let me see what they're, they beat uh who was it Norfolk state 63 to seven. And then they beat James Madison or they beat app state. As I mentioned, 32, 28, the, the rest big of comeback. their, yeah, big comeback. The rest, that was probably the toughest that and, and Marshall are probably the two toughest teams left on the schedule. Maybe coastal because they have a proven quarterback, oh, yeah. Grayson McCall, uh, at the end of the season, um, that, Old Dominion maybe that'll be a game. I don't know. I going to old dominion. Maybe it's not a cakewalk. The sunbelt is probably the best group of five conference this year. Um, so it 's not going to be a complete cakewalk, but this is a team that that you could realistically look at that 's eleven and one at the end of the season or ten and two it 's like well any other any other year that's not this year in the future they they would be in content Why is this a thing if a team is good enough to come in and compete day one, why do we have a a, a period of time that we call the transitional period where they can 't compete i, I don 't get they're that.
1: still trying to comply with uh, FBS Division one uh, um Requirements and regulations. Because, like, for most teams, when they get from FCS to FBS, it's such a big jump as far as what you need. You obviously have to have 16 sports, eight men, eight women. And you've got to, I don't know, I think provide a certain amount of scholarships, stuff like that. It takes, you know, most teams a
0: couple of years to fully comply, and they're ineligible for postseason stuff. I just think that's dumb. Like, I understand it. I get it. But it shouldn't be about, like, if you are a FBS football program, then you should be able to compete for postseason things, conference championship, the, um, you know, a New Year Six type bowl, because this, this also brings up another fact is that, hey, the top of the FCS is just as good, if not better than some of these group of five teams. We saw it with South Dakota State. We've seen it with North Dakota State. They come in and compete with power five teams. It's comfortable where they are. There's a lot more money to be had at the higher levels. James Madison sees that. They see that they that they have a shot. Um, they, they gladly took the opportunity, and they're making the most of it. And they're putting the rest of these group of five teams to shame. I mean, it, it, some of the stuff they've done so far is... Uh, is really impressive, and I think if you saw a North Dakota State, if you saw a South Dakota State uh, make the jump, you would see more of the same. It's it's a lot closer of a gap than people realize between FBS and FCS. Now the top of the FBS is is much better than everybody else, so I think that's where people kind of get away. But if you look at the middle to bottom of the FBS, the top of the FCS can absolutely compete in that in that section, and it, and it's not going to be like a oh they're going to win one game here or one game there. They are going to win game in and game out, and more times than not.
1: That's why I didn't stress out when Iowa lost or looked like shit to South Dakota State. I think this Iowa team isn't as bad as people think. I mean, Iowa State that loss does well, not look that bad anymore.
0: They, uh, they are in the sense that they can't move the ball.
1: Well, yeah, they look good against
0: Rutgers. They scored two Rutgers, defensive touchdowns.
1: Bit, bit of a step up still from the from the from what we thought at the very. Least. I guess. Um, no, Ohio State is not the best team in the country. Everyone's obsessing over what Ohio State did this week. I've heard enough of it. I have Ohio State people in my ear, you know, 24 times a day telling me, oh, we're the best team in the country. Oh, we look so much better than everybody else. Oh, look at the point differential. Look at how many points we've given up. Oh, my gosh. You mean Ohio State's good at offense? What's new? Come on, people. That was never the question. Of course Ohio State was going to be good on offense. They had a Heisman candidate coming back. I mean, they had... Five star receiver sitting on their bench. You know, a running back who was also a Heisman candidate. Was he? Trevion Henderson. Well, I mean, before the season. Oh, oh a preseason.
0: A okay. Yeah.
1: Um,. Super high expectations. No, it's not like I was, you know, sitting in the offseason like, oh my gosh, well, Ohio State's going to, you know, score 20 points a game offensively. No, I knew that they were going to score a lot of points, of course. The one thing I said was I didn't think the wide receivers were going to be as good. And by the way, I still have a couple of questions. Julian Fleming, who is what, well, their three or four? I could have told you he sucks. So He has gone for 90 yards the whole year. Marvin Harrison Jr., will he be there? three? Is he the guy? Yeah. He had 45 yards against Wisconsin. Just saying, my question about Ohio State coming into this season was this. Would their run defense, and defense in general, be able to step up and show the country we are one of the toughest, grittiest teams within college football? My answer at this point, still to be determined. They gave up 195 rushing yards on 5.5 yards a carry against Wisconsin. I get it, man. You guys look great on offense. Woo! Gold star. You get the whole shebang. I said this would happen. I said your offense would have a complete breakout game after kind of laying the yeah. egg against Notre Dame. And I said you would break out. I said that they would go for fifty or, uh, 35 points. Offense would look fantastic. I thought Ryan Day might you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Steady decided to step on their throat. Hey, that's fine. Whatever. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, didn't know that would happen. But, hey, good for you. Good for you, buddy. Good for um, you, too,
0: right? Yeah. Sure. It made and it a little more comfortable for you.
1: I wasn't really stressed about it, but, um, yeah, they, I think they covered by two touchdowns. Yeah. But the big question for me was, you know, coming into this year, is it going to be different defensively stopping the run? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 35 carries, 192 yards. Like, that, that's not great. It's not great. Um, so, I think Ohio State's really good. Do I think they're any better than they were last year? Probably not. And last year's Ohio State team didn't win the Big Ten championship. In fact, they finished, what was it, second and won the Rose Bowl. Good for you. Maybe that's where you're headed this year. I don't know. You look good. You look really good. But uh, that was the exact same BS we heard last year, that it was one of the best teams in the country. And it wasn't. It just wasn't tough. So they still have to answer some questions for me. I'm sure they'll look great against Rutgers because it's Rutgers. I'm sure sure they'll look great against Michigan State. But because it's Michigan State and they are absolute dog water this year, this I still have a lot of questions. They have Rutgers and
0: Michigan State in the next two weeks. And if Iowa, they, if they don't so put we'll if see. they don't put up if, if Iowa after that, yeah. If they don't put up a combined 175 points in those next three games, and <laughs> they're frauds. There we go, throwing that out there now. There um, Mario Cristobal himself is a fraudulent head coach. Um, listen, I know it's year one. I know he doesn't have his guys in Miami. He has eight. This is a different conversation, though, than it would have been 10 years ago because of the transfer portal, because of the amount of money they spent in NIL trying to get guys to Miami. And what does it get them? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it gave them a a crappy performance against Texas A&M, where they put up nine points. Let Texas A&M scored 17, uh, which is what it is. But they scored nine points. Tyler Van Dyke looks like absolute dog water. Uh, then they come back. They come home and they lose to middle tennessee state not only do they lose they are outplayed from the jump it was a wire to wire win for the blue raiders you're talking about one of the i don't know bottom 20 group of five teams a team that jmu beat 44 to 7 that team comes into your building, they beat you i think the final score was 45 31 you by two scores are you kidding me you had to bench your starting quarterback because of how piss poor they were prepared it, it, We've seen this time and time again with Mario Cristobal at Oregon. They would lose the big game. It would, that was the thing, is that they would lose the big game late in the season against a conference opponent, or they would lose a game that they probably shouldn't have lost. This year, it seems like, because you know they beat, they beat Ohio State, then they lose to Stanford, they lose to Utah twice to finish off the season. This year, it seems like they're just going to lose every game that has any relative meeting, and then on top of that, they're also going to drop a game to an, a group of five opponents that they are a billion times more talented than at what point does this fall on Mario Cristobal's uh, shoulders for his piss poor job getting his team ready and prepared to win some of these games I think I think this is this is just a look in the mirror moment for him and the Miami Athletic Department he is who Scott Frost is this is going to be a Scott Frost moment we bring back the the prodigal son he was there when we were good he's going to come back and restore the program i'm here to tell you that Miami Hurricanes fans, it ain't going to happen. Mario Cristobal is going to have a relatively same tenure as Scott Frost. He's going to be out within five seasons, and you're going to be sitting here like, why would we ever make that move? We put ourselves eight years behind schedule, and now we're just going to have to rebuild from the absolute foundation.
1: What's the beef with Mario Cristobal?
0: There is no beef with him. I just – I I was – I made That's, I
1: oh, that seemed like it
0: came from the I made a comment over over the summer that uh, Mario Cristobal was a fraudulent head coach was overrated and, and someone pushed back on me and said no he's not he's a great head coach I was like well, what has he done he's brought in a what a top fifteen recruiting class to Oregon who literally has their recruiting made Nike recruits for them it's it's the, you come here you get the Nike facilities you get the Nike uniforms it, it's all it's all Nike stuff. Uh, yeah. The the big draw to Oregon is that you get Nike sponsorship. It, it, they basically fund everything. Goes to Miami. It's it should be just as you know. It should be just as easy to recruit there. It's about the coaching. It comes down to the coaching. And, and you know, at Oregon, he was fine in terms of the Pac-12 last year. Really, uh, really brought it out. I think if he was still at Oregon this year, they would be the I don't know sixth best team, seventh best team. I think Dan is a better coach than he is. Uh, and you'll see it with Oregon actually being able to compete against some of those teams. Like it wasn't it wasn't that they just got beat. It was the fact that they laid an egg three different times, twice against the same opponent.
1: Yeah. It was a tough matchup for him. I obviously, you know, I wouldn't make any coaching changes yet. Me did inherit a terrible situation at Miami. I mean, they were and I said this coming into the season, how many times are we going to fall for the stupid Miami trick every single yeah. year that they're this top 20 team? Why? I don't get it. Every year, I get they have this quarterback. They haven't proved a thing to yeah. me. Huh? But um, Listen, it, yeah, I, we'll see with them. The
0: thing is, I, I would. it's an interesting theory, but at this point, it's a theory. I would have given him time had it not been for the era of college football where we're in. When Scott Frost went to Nebraska, the transfer portal wasn't as big as it is now. There was no NIO. With Mario Cristobal, he he had every opportunity to bring his Oregon guys over. He had every opportunity because he accepted this job back in December or, or, or November. I think it was December. He had every opportunity to get a recruiting class together. It's we're no longer in the days of oh, you get a year to get your guys in. You can get your guys in right away.
1: The only thing I would say, is some guys don't like to try and build through the transfer portal like Lincoln Riley does, but you know the. But top- look how it's worked out for him.
0: It's worked out well See, so far, that's, that's but like the, thing, the Clemson's
1: it's like, and the Georgias and the Alabama, they don't have a lot of transfers.
0: Yeah, but they're not new head coaches. Yeah, that's, that's the true. thing is when you're when you're a new head coach, you have no excuse for not having your guys because you can go out and get them. Okay. Whereas in Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, they already have their guys because they've been there a while.
1: That's going to be tough for any new head coach. You better get your shit together.
0: I'm saying, I'm saying, there's no longer there's no longer a period. Like, yes, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, inherited not a it was it was an okay situation it, there was talent on the roster Brady Hoke was was working his way up I think the year before they had won 10 11 games but what did Jim Harbaugh do he took them to the next level you know mm-hmm. they were they were competitive against teams that you know we had struggled against like Ohio State the first couple of years that Jim Harbaugh was there at least 2015 and I think 16 uh, those were close games yeah and so yeah, they weren't with his guys i don't know i don't know if he would have inherit or used the transfer portal as uh, at all probably not but my my point is is that there's no longer this oh I need at least a year or two years or three years to to get my guys in there it's i'll I'll give you a year okay I'm I'll give say. you a year because it's not going to happen overnight, but games like this yeah, no, where it's it's clear coaching it, coaching is the reason why you lost that game uh, that's unexcusable but like I'll give you a year, but if if you're not making improvements by year number two, there there is a serious problem. Yeah, There's no excuses,
1: especially
0: I, in the ACC. Yeah.
1: I didn't have Kansas in my top 25. I feel bad, but I'm not sorry.
0: Um, <laughs> I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. I had
1: Kansas at 26. I hear a lot of pushback, especially from Joel Clatt, whom I love. And I'm going to say that every time. He didn't
0: say it directly at you. No. <laughs> he was directing no. it at the AP. Yeah, Bowl. at the
1: AP, who also had Kansas at 26. And I guess he didn't say this, but I would assume the coaches who know much more about college football than anybody put <laughs> Kansas at 27. But, okay, whatever.
0: Um, <laughs> no, the coaches are actually stupid
1: when it comes to this stuff. Okay, yeah, about college football. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, I put Kansas <laughs> at 26. And it would be so on brand for me to sneak them in there because I've done it in the past. I really have. Look at my past rankings. If you go on our Instagram page, Florida State, see them. Florida State this year. Fresno State last year, way before everybody else. Purdue last year. Actually, the same time as the AP. But it was still crazy. I mean, I remember when it happened. Everyone was like, I can't believe AP did this. I did it, too. Um, but what was the common thread there? Big, splashy, huge victors. Even this week, yeah. Kansas State at 25. I always... Put the teams in after the big, splashy, oh my gosh, can't believe they did that victory. Fresno state J Kaner game. Don't Dumb. have to rehash that again over UCLA. <laughs> Purdue, three possession win over the number two ranked team in the country. Uh, Florida State this year. They didn't have one. Oh, Louisville when I picked them. You know, that one did help for me. <laughs> Kansas State, obviously, right now. Oklahoma. I do really have a liking for that big, splashy win. I understand Kansas has you know done what they needed to so far, and you're probably saying, okay, Obert, that's not fair. It's not. It's not fair to say, you know, or oh, oh my gosh, they need a big splashy win to be in my top twenty-five. You're right. It's not fair. The problem they, they is they could
0: get it this week, though.
1: The problem is there are so many good teams, not great teams, but there are so many good <laughs> yeah. teams this year in college football yeah. from that seven to twenty-five range. It was nearly impossible. You're splitting hairs between these teams. The point being this. I don't know how much worse Kansas is than Kentucky, who I have at 10. I don't. I think that game's probably a 10-point game or something like that. probably. And, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just like it was so crowded. And if there's a gun to my head tomorrow, and they're like, who wins on a neutral field, Kansas State or Kansas? I'm saying Kansas State. I am. And that theme is going through with every other team I have within my top 25. Obert, you're being crazy. What do you have to prove this? All right, let me just say this, okay? Look at look at just what Vegas thinks. Vegas has Kansas losing by three to Iowa State. That spread is at home. Iowa State minus three at Kansas. I'm not crazy in a power ranking format. If this was yeah. a college football playoff, I would put them at 18. I absolutely would. Or 19 or 20 or whatever. But the point is, I would put them in my top 20. That's not what this is. Yeah. That's not what this uh, is. This is a power ranking. This
0: is, this is what I have to get into. And my last point because because I wanted to talk about this at some point. My last point is is that Mayan Williams might be the missing piece for that Ohio State offense because they had had Travion Henderson, who was you know a, a speed back. He was shifty. They hadn't had that bulldoze guy. They thought it was uh, Master Teague last year. He sucks. Mm. They might have found something in Mayan Williams. He had eleven carries for one hundred and one yards. so That's you know ten yards a carry almost, uh, and a touchdown against a Wisconsin defense that is usually uh, really stout against the run. He runs with a physical presence like a Kareem Hunt. Mm. Like that's that's who he reminded me of when I saw him Tasmanian running. Devil. Was physical. He was looking for contact. I think that's a missing piece. Okay, now let's now let's get into this because I want to talk about this too. Our top twenty fives are not based off of resume. They mm. are a little bit. It's not the entirety of the makeup of the top 25. The top 25 is what teams look like the top 20 or look like the 25 best teams in college football right now it's to just us. What do you think are the 25 best teams? It has not. I, I got into an argument with somebody about Cincinnati and Arkansas. Arkansas literally won by 11 points to an FCS team that they were favored by 26 points against at home. And it wasn't even eleven and points. It, and it and it wasn't. It, was and it wasn't only, even eleven, 11 points. points. It wasn't. That game was so much closer than the final score set. And then they lose to Texas A&M, and you can say, "Oh well, they should have won that game. They had the ball at the one yard line going into uh, before, right before halftime, going in to score, and then it's a it's going back the other direction for a Texas A&M touchdown." Well, my counterpoint is, they didn't. After they scored fourteen points, it took them until the end of the fourth quarter in order to get to twenty-one. Uh, that is some serious lack of, uh, of execution in a huge stretch of that game. Meanwhile, Texas A&M, Texas A&M, on the other hand, actually capitalized on some of the turnovers, on some of the mistakes, and were able to score more points. So why is Cincinnati ranked above Arkansas in my top 25 when Arkansas beat Cincinnati week one? Because right now, Cincinnati looks like the better team. Arkansas has not looked good these past two weeks. and You cannot say anything that will convince me otherwise. Mm. Cincinnati has looked so much better than Arkansas. Now, why do I have Cincinnati at 20? Because I think the way Cincinnati has played since that week one loss has been better than a lot of other teams in the country, i.e. that's why they're ranked 20th. Uh, you can look at the Miami game where, yes, they struggled in the first half, but what did they do in the second half? They outscored Miami 21 yeah. nothing. I don't know if it was quite 21. I think it might have been 18 nothing. My point is, is that every step of the way, when they faced adversity, when they faced a, uh, a you know an Indiana this past week, not only have they have they won, but they've done it in pretty good fashion. If Arkansas wants to be ranked, or if you want Arkansas to be ranked ahead of Cincinnati because of that Week One win, uh, I got news. I got news for you. One, it's Week Five. We're heading into Week Five. This isn't Week One anymore. And and two, if I'm doing it based off of resume. Then sure, but we're not. It's not the college football playoff yet. Mm. These are our top twenty-five teams. Yeah,
1: and and I'll say about the Cincinnati Arkansas game. I pulled it up here. Uh, quarterback, what's his first name? Ben uh, Bryant. Ben Bryant, I think. Ben Bryant uh, goes into that game, and he he has the worst first half. Yep. He's probably ever had in his life hey, at any level. And you look at how is... he's
0: played the rest of the season. He's oh, so much better. Really good.
1: So much better. <laughs> And even within that second half, he lights the field on fire. It's just completely pregame jitters. You know, first game I've ever started. I'm going up against Cincinnati or Arkansas. That's sold second out half. crowd. Oh down 14 nothing at halftime because of that. And listen to these drives from Cincinnati in the first half. Interception. Missed field goal. Fumble. Missed field goal. Punt. Missed field goal. End of half. <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't get any worse than that. That is... Two missed field goals and, what, three turnovers? I mean, like, how can you win like that? You can't. That doesn't happen in any other game. Like, if they play this game again on a neutral field,
0: yes. I'm taking Cincinnati. Cincinnati,
1: to win that game, probably pretty easily,
0: quite honestly. I am taking Cincinnati, and I am not even thinking twice about it. If
1: it's... You know, like you said, if it's our college football playoff rankings, we can't make that. We can't make that. And assumption. the
0: thing was, we can't.
1: Is that was in Arkansas too. That was in Arkansas in Fayetteville. Heck yeah! Total yards were pretty much exactly the same. Four forty-seven for Arkansas. Four thirty-eight Cincinnati. Pretty much exactly the same.
0: And then the only difference
1: was fumbles and missed field goals. And that then was, he tried. Pretty much and, then it, he, folks.
0: and then he tried to bring up the point that well, at least Cincinnati at least be. They should be at least behind BYU, who I had at twenty four, twenty five, because BYU beat Baylor. I was like, I don't know if you've noticed, but the past two weeks, Baylor hasn't looked all that great. They got absolutely housed by Oregon. They were clearly the worst team in that game. Ugh. And then they beat Wyoming by 14 points. Yeah, they looked better than them. You look at the total stat, or you look at the yards, yards per play, um, turnovers, penalties, they were the better team, but they won that game by 14 points. To Wyoming, a Wyoming team that isn't that good if we're being quite honest. So I'm sick and tired of people thinking that, you know, the top 25 has to be this because this team beat that team. I hate, uh, well, guess what? I have Oklahoma over Kansas State. Why? Because I think Oklahoma's the better team. I just think that when they play together. I think they're more all around. I mean, I think Kansas State would probably beat Oklahoma again. But it, I mean, it, That's the thing is Kansas State is the perfect matchup for Oklahoma. Uh, you, you mentioned this, uh, I think, while we were watching, or when we were picking the game or watching the game or whatever. They run the ball really well. Oklahoma doesn't defend the run very well. Mm. It doesn't matter. I, think, I still think Oklahoma's a more well-rounded team than uh, Kansas State is. Look at the two-lane game. Yep. It, yep. It, come on, guys.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, Oklahoma's biggest flaw. I don't know if I said this on the podcast or not, but I don't think you did. Their biggest flaw throughout the year, I looked into the numbers. I looked into all the stuff because I was thinking about picking Oklahoma as my lock. I looked into all the numbers. They had given up 100 and you it was know, like 130, yards, 155, 130 something like that. yards to Kent State in a game where they dominated. And then the next week against Nebraska, they play really well offensively and defensively through the air. They play well, give up 195 yards on the ground. And I'm thinking. Oh, my gosh, because I thought about picking Oklahoma as my lock. I was like, wait a minute, Kansas State might win this game. They perfectly can exploit exactly what Oklahoma doesn't do well. Can they do that against 95% of the teams within my top 25? (laughs) No. No. That's why I have them at 25. Of course not. But they can do it against Oklahoma because Oklahoma's shitty against the run. That's how it works.
0: It's, uh, it's quite literally, as of right now, it's called our top 25 because it's our top 25 teams. Top
1: 25 teams, that's it. That's we'll get into the, the college
0: football playoff when resume actually means more because we know what the teams are. Yep. At this point, you can't go off of resume because you don't know how good a team is. That they've beaten. Exactly. Resume doesn't mean anything. Baylor might not be a good team. It is still to be determined whether or not Baylor is a good team because their best win Iowa State. We don't know if it's any good because Iowa State. What did they do? They beat Iowa in the right Exactly. I don't know. It's, it's like
1: complicated. It's
0: like you can't look at resume until like week eight. It, yeah. It's it, week seven, maybe. It's really tough to figure out. We, in order to figure out what a team is, how good a Otherwise team is, you're just
1: doing off of recruiting. You
0: rankings. have to watch the games. And by watching the game, was like a top ten team within the preseason poll.
1: So was Notre Dame because of recruiting rankings.
0: They suck, and and that's another thing where people get caught up. It's like it's like, oh well, this team was ranked higher to start the season, so they have to be. No, no, they don't. I don't care that Arkansas was ranked higher uh, than Cincinnati at the beginning of the season. Right now, I think that Cincinnati is the better team, and you're not going to be able to convince me otherwise based off of what I've seen from Arkansas the past two weeks.
1: It's been ugly. I thought it was a look ahead game against Missouri State, but their offense in the second half brutal. Yeah, brutal.
0: Okay, you want to get into the NFL? Absolutely.
1: First takeaway, the 49ers are the Phoenix Suns of the NFL. Um, I really thought about this comparison. I really like it. Uh, Phoenix Suns made the NBA Finals. Uh, 49ers made the Super Bowl. Um, and both teams, like the Phoenix Suns, take them for example. I hear 100 times in a day, Monty Williams is this fantastic coach. Okay, okay. I understand. I'm hearing you. I hear 100 times a day uh, Kyle Shanahan's this unbelievable coach. All right, I hear you. I hear you out. Uh, You don't really believe him, you know, but that's what you hear, okay? (laughs) (laughs) They went to the NBA Finals, and all the time we were thinking, goodness gracious, they are milking every single bit of the talent within the Phoenix Suns team and within the 49ers team to get this far. It is unbelievable how much they've done with so little. And afterwards, the kind of thought process between everyone was, this isn't s- sustainable. I kind of figured, yeah, the Phoenix probably wouldn't get back to the NBA Finals. They don't have those guys. The 49ers, they actually do have those guys. You know, Trent Williams is a fantastic player. Fred Warner is a fantastic player. Nick Bosa and on and on. Eric Armstead, talent all over the field, obviously. But that quarterback position has always been the part they cannot figure out with Jimmy Garoppolo or yeah. Trey Lance or whoever you might want make it or you know might want it to be um and, and people have called for jimmy and said he's a good quarterback he is a good quarterback yeah. is he good enough for he's an okay quarterback, even, i wouldn't even call him whatever. good is he good enough for them to make the or to win the super bowl no it's like if you're okay with nfc championship every year he's your guy he's your guy if you're okay with them going to the nfc championship game or divisional or wild card or whatever that's your guy they can
0: make the playoffs with jimmy g no question about it
1: but can they win the Super Bowl? Just no, no. absolutely not. We I'm sorry,
0: it. we saw it. But
1: and and, and I think Couldn't it's getting lost. I think it's getting lost in the fact that Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson have done an awful job <laughs> through three weeks. But the 49ers' <laughs> offense has been one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah, I am not panicking because they did this last year and ended up being absolutely fine. But through three weeks, they are averaging just over 15 points a game. Mm.
0: My concern isn't that they haven't been able to score. It's that they haven't been able to run the ball. Exactly. That, that is, that is the, the, bread and butter. the bread and butter of a Kyle Shanahan offense is to be able to run that outside zone to perfection, to average five yards of carry on that. They haven't been able to do that this no, year. Haven't. And what, what does that mean? That means Jimmy Garoppolo, because they're going teams aren't going to bite on play action, means that Jimmy Garoppolo has to straight drop back and make throws. He cannot do that. He works off of play action really well. Because there's guys open. He doesn't have to make the tough throws. He just hits a guy who, who, who in stride who's coming across the formation who's going to get 12, 15 yards. If you make him do a straight drop and have to scheme stuff open that's not off of movement, it's, it's going to be tough.
1: I think they'll be an okay offense at the end of the year. But it's a classic 49ers team, and this team is no different. I think Kyle Shanahan is a innovator. I really do. I think he's an innovator and almost a genius. I wouldn't go that far, but what he's done to kind of reshape and you know, th- change the way some people think about offenses is really impressive. We saw it with the wideback thing last year with Debo Samuel. He does this. He comes up with stuff that not a lot of people are thinking of. He is really creative, and I'll give him a lot of credit for that. He does a fantastic job with it. But it's kind of like Steve Jobs a little bit in his first stint with Apple. You know what I mean? It was like a lot of creativity, a lot of fantastic <laughs> ideas. nothing really happened. Nothing yet. practical. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just zero results. Um, and that's kind of been my beef with him. It's like he hasn't really been able to convert that – you know, close to geniusness into practical results. The 49ers offense and team in general has always been built on the defense and then the offense is about 15th through 20th in the league. Teams catch up to whatever they're doing and, you know, it kind of just wears off after a while. And right now he hasn't come up with a lot of good ideas lately and they are a below average offense, well below average offense. So, I'm sure he'll figure something out. He'll so have but, to. Um, right now,
0: big concerns. Because right now, it, it, they're still in position to make a wild card game. The NFC isn't that strong uh, in terms of depth. So they're in position to, to make a wild card game. But my golly, do they need to figure some stuff out offensively? I hate this one because I love MCDC. HCMCDC even. But Dan Campbell, you are on my list. Um, listen, uh, nice. the game against Minnesota a uh, fantastic three quarters then the fourth quarter comes around and uh Detroit Lions blow a 10 uh, point lead. Um, I question the play calling a little bit. That's on Ben Johnson. That's not on Dan Campbell. Uh, There's a third one where we decided to throw um, a go ball to uh, Josh Reynolds instead of running uh, the ball. We are the best team at running the ball in the NFL. Look at yards per carry. We're averaging 7.2. Uh, there was another fourth down that, you know, uh, I think we should have gone for it. Instead, uh, we punted, but then we get to the crucial moment. The Detroit Lions are driving. I think we're about the 35. Yeah. Is that, yep, is that that's right. right? Um, we're at the 35 yard line. It's fourth and four. There is, I think, uh, two minutes left, less yep. than two minutes left. Two minutes left. You have a decision. It's fourth and four. I think that this, this this offense could have picked it up easily. So you go for it, you punt it, or you kick would have the field goal. It
1: would have been interesting to see if they could have gotten it.
0: Yes, exactly. Or you kick the field goal. Our field goal, 50, kicker, 50. our field goal kicker, Austin Seibert, had not made a career-long, or his career-long field goal would have been 54 yards, which is what they trotted him out. Turns out he might have been hurt, too. Oh, good God. And so Dan Campbell trots out Austin Seibert for a 54-yard field goal. Me and you are sitting there like, what are they doing? You need, yep. to, you need to go for it or you need to punt it. Uh, why aren't you – because Cybert had already missed one earlier in the game from, from 48, exact, I think yeah, is what exact, it, was, or, it was. or 49. 50, was it was a 49. He had already missed one from a shorter distance earlier in the game, and it wasn't close. Nope. He just completely shanked it. And so we're sitting there like, we're like, what are you doing? Because by doing that, you give him the seven free yards from where the yep. holder That's sets true. up. And so he shanks it, it like we both know was coming. It wasn't even – once again, it wasn't even close. It might not even – have even had the distance. Yep. And I, I see all these Lions beat writers saying that this isn't new. He wasn't doing this in camp this offseason. He had not been doing it in practice. And then the Lions defense decides that they're going to play absolutely awful. The Vikings go down the field. They score a touchdown. Um, that play call is just a culminating moment of... Dan Campbell's tenure with the Lions so far. Uh, he, he called timeout last year on the 4th and 19 for the Ravens. They didn't have any timeouts left. They did it because of mis- miscommunication. They want to be on the same page. What happens? They miscommunicate again. Mm. And instead, the Ravens get, a, get time to drop a play. They convert on the 4th and 19. Justin Tucker hits the field goal. He blames himself for the, the Bengals' loss where the team comes out and absolutely lays an egg. He's like, that's on me. Okay, that's fine. I'll let you have that. Um, fourth and one last year, the lions, I think it was, they decided to throw the, throw the football instead of run it. They try to play action. Didn't work. So shockingly lose that game. Um, he blamed the, himself for the Eagles lost last year, where it was 44 to six. You get one of those a year, you don't get, Oh, well we got ran out of the building again. We, they were at home both times, mm. Both times they were at home. You can't have that happen twice in a year. Uh, people didn't like the onside kick in in Week One against the uh, Eagles. I didn't hate it. Our defense wasn't playing well anyway. And then you had the uh, <laughs> the kick the field goal yesterday. Who after the end of the game he comes out uh, for the postgame press conference and says, "I hated it. I hate myself for making that call." Then why did you make it? Yeah. I I just I don't know how how much this is going to keep happening. Uh, the fourth down bot. Literally called it the worst, the worst play of the weekend, uh, mm. the worst, worst fourth down decision. Uh, you go for it, 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 and it's not even close. I, it was the thirty six. It was fourth and four from the thirty six. Yep. Uh, this model says you had a fifty one percent chance of uh, succeeding on the um, on the fourth and four. It's about fifty percent, you would say, uh, but it, it was. It was an inexcusable decision, and if you really hated it so much, why'd you call it in the first place? Uh, he's, had, he's had a couple clock management stuff. I think call the timeout for the uh, Vikings on the last drive because of more miscommunication stuff. So, it,
1: And poor clock management, too. Yeah, you it's... You know, snapping
0: the ball with 20 seconds left. It's frustrating because he is such a great motivator. Here's He is such a great football mind in terms of he knows what it takes to get guys fired up and ready to play. He, he, he understands, uh, you know, blocking schemes. He's a fantastic, uh, uh, tight ends coach, fantastic blocking coach in general. It's just the one thing that really grinds my gears about him is that is his decision-making in the fourth quarter. It seems like he, he is not a crunch time decision maker. And and I feel like it's once we're actually a good team, it's inevitably going to cost us in a big moment. and, And I'm not ready for it.
1: Um, and I would also say on that drive they had, you know, or before the drive they would lost so much momentum from the Vikings scoring the touchdown, yep. but then it was first down after first down, first down. It was like, oh, my God, the Lions have the momentum now. You know what I mean? They're starting to really drive on them. And kicking the field goal and missing, it's just you lose all that momentum yep. you had. And now the Vikings are like, oh, my gosh, we only got to go 57 yards to win not the to game. mention, are Not to mention me? that
0: we have – the best punter in the NFL, and Jack Fox. Yeah. he could have easily pinned them inside the ten.
1: Yeah, probably inside the five with two minutes, of no timeouts. You're in a world of hurt, and or go for it there. No. And I mean, you know, you're only giving them. You know, it's 64 yards. You're, that you're they at throw least
0: going to get two or three yards. So, yeah.
1: I, I, I would call. I would take the delay and punted or gone for it there. Kicking the field goal with that kicker not acceptable, especially because it only puts you up six points, not yeah, a full two exactly. possession. What are you doing? Uh, two. The Bills are as beatable as any elite top contender. Um, obviously, weeks one and two, and before the season even, everybody, <laughs> myself included, had the Bills number one, and justifiably so. We should have. Yeah. Um, I think where you know um, we strayed was thinking the Bills were a perfect team. Not that anybody did, no, I, but um, I don't.
0: I don't know if anybody thought they were a perfect. team. <laughs> but my point is this. They
1: are... They have a huge flaw. Every I think elite top contender huge
0: flaw might be an understatement. Yeah.
1: Every elite top contender has a huge flaw. The Bills is just as obvious as any of any one of them. The Chiefs, what is theirs? No pass rush. That was the most apparent and thing their ever. Teams. Yeah, and special <laughs> teams. That was the most apparent thing ever in the uh Bills Chiefs playoff game last year. They could not generate pass rush at all against Josh Allen. He threw for a ton a ton of yards. That's probably what's going to cost the Bills in the end when they do face an elite pass rush. Watch out for that. Same thing with uh, Joe Burrow. He was getting sacked and thrown around all the time. Uh, every other playoff game, it seemed like he had a lot more time in the Chiefs game. Um, that was kind of their big flaw. Um, you know, so every team struggles in some So the the uh, Buccaneers, Tom Brady's old and washed. You know what
0: I mean? Yeah. He's buns. I'll get into that. I'll get into that. Oh, this is going to be fun.
1: <laughs> uh, Green Bay have no wide receivers. Um You know, Cincinnati coaching Zach Taylor, have no idea what to make of him yet. Um, (laughs) Losing close games. Chargers, no run game. And Bills, finally, no run game. Uh, Yeah, the Bills have no run game. It's it's bad. We knew it before the season, (laughs) but I think yesterday or uh, Sunday kind of showed what can happen if you don't. Josh Allen threw the ball 63 times. And actually, the rushing numbers weren't that bad, but it was because Josh Allen was rushing for the yards that (laughs) got them there. That was why. He's taking shots, and not only that, every single time people know you're going to pass. It's not like when they were running the ball well. It was because it was a designed run play. It was because Josh Allen was scrambling. You can't keep that up. Come on, man! He was eight carries, forty-seven yards of their total one hundred and fifteen. They are going to get killed, and what's going to happen is pass rushers will be able to tee off on a Bilzo line that is already not very good. Um, yeah, and and we saw it yesterday or uh, Sunday. Josh Allen took four sacks against a uh, Dolphins D line that isn't very good. Um, so that's going to be a huge weakness for him if they play a team with a very good D line that can you know get off. I mean, just. T off on the quarterback guys like Micah Parsons. The Cowboys. Good news for them is you know they're NFC, but you know teams yeah. like that with just like elite
0: dudes. He's got at, the best pass rush in the AFC.
1: Um, the Browns when they're healthy,
0: yeah, probably
1: <laughs> when they're healthy. MG
0: 95
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I think so. Maybe the Steelers when they're fully yep, healthy. Yeah, um, I
0: like those two. Uh,
1: yeah. So I mean that will be that that'll be the problem for him. Can they figure a way to get their running backs involved in their running game and run the ball well? My answer, probably not. And so they're going to have that weakness. They're going to struggle to win close games, much like the Chargers. I heard a stat. I don't know where it was from. Maybe you can help me. 0-6 in close games
0: the Bills have been? Once again, I'll give you a stat that the Bills haven't won a close game since 2020.
1: Unbelievable, folks. That's unbelievable. I've been on this for about a year now. If you don't have a running game, you will struggle to put away games in which you outplay your opponent which the buffalo bills did they outplayed the dolphins statistically yeah, it was but they, not close but they
0: weren't leading yeah that's, that's the true. thing is i think they had the 14-10 lead but it was like in the third quarter yeah that is
1: 17-14 lead going in oh no no yeah that is seventeen fourteen lead going into the fourth um so yeah they were outplaying them but they could not they can't put away games that's going to be an issue for them i said that about the chargers it's the same thing with the bills and they're going to be beatable they will Dolphins proved it, uh, and, and that's the case with every NFL team. No team is perfect. This still looks like probably the best team in football, the Buffalo Bills, but they have a flaw just like everybody else. They're not perfect.
0: Yeah, uh, guys, I I this is kind of a feel-good moment for me. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars are my second favorite team in the NFL. I was ecstatic when... They drafted Trevor Lawrence. wasn't as excited when they uh, chose Urban Meyer to be their next head really? coach. Really? I thought you were just as excited. <laughs> I, I don't. If you listened to the podcast last year, you probably knew that already. Um, you hated him since the day he got hired. Yeah, you did. I did.
1: The Jaguars. What's my <laughs> issue? I don't even like Urban. That was my only thing. It was just like you were so biased and it was just I were, was,
0: but but I, you were right. I was right. <laughs> it uh, sucked.
1: <laughs> it was like you were so obviously biased and it just everything you said ended up becoming true. I'm like, this is bullshit. It shouldn't work like this. Um I thought I learned a lesson about this, you know what I mean? Like in journalism class. Your biases affect what's or, you know, yeah. your perceptions. Not for you. For whatever I, reason not, it gave not, you perfect twenty twenty vision.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. The Jaguars are here to stay with Doug Peterson. Uh, they look completely night and day from what they did last year. And a lot of in large part it is because of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, week 1 it was a rough game. I will say that. Week 2, he goes 25 of 30, 235 yards and two touchdowns against the Colts. Yeah, they were a little banged up. Uh, that's okay. Uh, and then this right, what week did, What did Mahomes do against the Colts? That's a great point. That is a great point. This week he goes twenty eight of thirty nine for two hundred sixty two yards and three touchdowns against the Los Angeles Chargers. Admittedly, a banged up Los Angeles Chargers, but not they still had their secondary. They right? still had Asante Samuel. They still had Derwin James. They still had Nasir Adderley. All they were missing was J C Jackson. And what? In, what did he do? He was about as efficient as you could get. He was making the right throws. He was making throws. You know that not every quarterback can make. He had complete control of that offense. Not only that, but they're getting a running game from James Robinson. He is he is back and fully healthy. He had 100 yards on 17 carries. Six yards per carry and a touchdown of, I think it was, 40 yards. I think it was something like that. 41, yep. 43, something like that. Something. And quietly, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Mm. 10 points to the Chargers, 0 points to the Colts, and then the Commanders, they gave up 26 points. It was, it was a weird game. That was a weird a one. A
1: lot of young players. You I, I don't really know how to explain Lloyd that starting. one, but
0: that's the NFL. Yeah. That's the NFL. You really don't know how to explain some games. That's right. Um, so Any team can beat any, any team. Any team can beat any team. That's, that's the thing about the NFL. I have the Jacks as my number 10 team in top 10. You have them at number 9. Mm. They are a top 10 team in football, and they are going to run away with this division. They are clearly better than everybody else. They might even make some noise in the playoffs. I, I, I mean, they are perfectly... F- Built as a playoff team, they are balanced offensively. They run the ball. They can throw the ball defensively. They get pressure up front. Devin Lloyd might win r- defensive oh rookie of the God, year. He fantastic. is unbelievable. Two picks. I, he, he's my number two linebacker just because I, I love Leo Chanel so much who hasn't done anything might in Kansas City. A um, bit. <laughs> I took listen. I took a shot because he reminded he, he reminded me of of a traditional style of linebacker that I and that also I love.
1: let's let's be real about this. The the athletic intangibles were
0: unbelievable
1: from the combine. The numbers, oh my god! What what was his? Uh, what's it called? Score
0: like a nine. <laughs> his rest 9. score was like a nine yeah. eight or some, or oh my like god. a nine nine six or something like that. It was unbelievable. Crazy. It was crazy. My go. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that. Listen, I, I was on this train a little bit. I didn't think they would be this good. I thought they would still have some growing pains. Uh, year one of Doug Peterson. I was completely wrong in the sense that they're even better than I thought they were going to be. Watch out for the Jags; they're going to be a team to compete with. They got a great test this week against Philadelphia. I'm not going to spoil my pick, but mm. just watch out.
1: I would say this: I think we both thought the offense would be exactly as good as it is. Yeah, I think we were. We all. I I didn't don't think that Travis Etienne
0: wouldn't be as featured as he. he it's been James Robinson. Yeah. And, and listen, I didn't love the Travis Etienne pick because they had James Robinson. It is what it is. You can't, you can't um, go back and change time.
1: I, I think we've just both been surprised with their impact defense, of the defense is yeah. that immediately. It was terrible last year. Ten to the Chargers, <laughs> zero to the
0: Colts. Unbelievable. It was awful last year.
1: The Ravens offense proved it's ready to be elite. Um, Listen, in past years, it's been pretty solid Ravens defense led by an elite secondary with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and, you know, so on. Um. And obviously, their linebackers were pretty good. D line was okay. It wasn't great at, uh, you know, pass rush, but defensively could stop the run pretty well. And. Calais Campbell. It's, that's exactly right. He was that tough interior, I'm just eat your lunch type guy. And, um,. You know, that's how they kind of won games. They would run the football. Uh, Lamar Jackson would get a lot of carries, uh, throw the ball to a lot of tight ends down the middle of the field, Um, and it wouldn't work against the Patriots because Bill Belichick saw right through their plan, knew exactly what they wanted to do. He would just pretty much put a bunch of you know weight right in his defense and just say, all right, hey, you want to play physical? We'll play physical. Throw the ball on us we're going to make you throw the ball, we're going to make you throw it outside to your outside receivers. And you know, listen, the Ravens stepped it up. I was kind of concerned about how their offense would do against a defense that gives them so many issues like the Patriots. They completely stepped up. Yeah. They put up 37 points on a, you know, what has been a really solid Patriots defense so far. Didn't ask Lamar to do too much, but he did have a really good game, eighteen for twenty nine, two hundred eighteen yards, four touchdowns and interception. I said this most Lamar Jackson game of all time. But listen.
0: <laughs> it's it, not but, it's not a slight against him. No,
1: it's not. It's not. Because listen, if you acknowledge, okay, yes, you know, he's not a great passer. And I and I'm on that, and I still really believe that. I don't think he's a great passer in the NFL. You still have to he's acknowledge the fact he is Far and away the best runner because they run him so much. I mean, 11 carries 107 yards. If you look at his total yardage and put that up with every other quarterback's total yardage, it's above average, and that's what's going to work. You can say at the same time, Lamar Jackson is an average to even slightly below average passer in national football, and he's still a top ten quarterback or top fifteen quarterback within top the 10. NFL because he's so talented as a runner. He
0: he he might be the front runner for MVP at this point in the season. I would say Jalen Hurts to Ooh, me. Yeah.
1: Um. But but yeah, he's been he's been very.
0: Well, I got a stat for you. Okay, give it to me. Lamar Jackson has more touchdowns than obviously discounting the Ravens, than thirty of thirty one teams. He has scored more touchdowns than 30 of 30. Do you know what that one team is that he has not scored more touchdowns than? The Lions, the Detroit Lions. Wow, there you go. <laughs> um, Thought that was interesting. No, but listen,
1: the touchdowns have never been a concern with Lamar Jackson. We've seen it before. He led yeah. the league in passing touchdowns because they throw the ball a lot down there to like wide open tight ends. So that doesn't Mark work. Andrews, that, it doesn't really impress me all that much. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, Mark Andrews just makes. Hey, you got to make the, the throws. You got to make the throws, and they're not easy <laughs> throws to make. But hey, he makes them. He does make them. Um, but. With his running ability, even as an average passer, in my opinion, and I think he is, um, and you can look at the stats on that. His numbers are pretty much similar to Baker Mayfield's as a passer throughout his career, and that's fine. If Baker Mayfield had the body and legs of Lamar Jackson, you know he would be a fantastic NFL quarterback. And Lamar Jackson, he's got the legs, man, and that's yep. going to work in this league. It's going to work.
0: Um, the Cardinals are a poverty franchise. Uh, I, I I know Stop this. That. I know this hurts you, but you agree with me. You, you absolutely agree with me. I don't. No, you eh, do. Maybe historically. Yeah, no, they currently are a poverty franchise. They, what, so what
1: I did, wouldn't call any franchise poverty that has their uh, guy at quarterback. I
0: wouldn't. I would for this reason. They got their guy at quarterback, but what have they done to help him succeed? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> that, they haven't. They traded for DeAndre Hopkins for like okay. two firsts. They didn't even trade two first for him. What did they trade? They literally traded a second in Duke Johnson.
1: Hey, it worked. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot <laughs> that about that. That was Bill yeah.
0: O'Brien trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, listen, that, that was, was a good move. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been available. That's not really their fault. Okay. Right. Offensive line. You make a comment about this every single game we watch the Cardinals. Their offensive line is one of the worst in the league. Kyler is running for his life back there. Wide receiver. Who is their best wide receiver outside of DeAndre Hopkins? It's Hollywood, but... And he played well yesterday, but he looked terrible weeks one and two. Hollywood Brown, who they went and got this year. Why? Because they knew DeAndre Hopkins was going to be suspended. If he wasn't going to get suspended, they would have never gone out and gotten Hollywood. Mm. And so their best wide receiver would have been A.J. Green. Yeah. Zach Ertz. I I don't know. Rondale's hurt, too. That hurts It it doesn't help. Offensive line sucks. Receiving court, not great. They don't run the ball. Why? Because Cliff Kingsbury is their head coach. They really can't. They've tried. Because they haven't invested in the offensive line. They haven't invested it. I guess James Conner, if you give him an offensive line, is still probably capable of being a an above average running back in the NFL. Yeah, The real problem the comes down to the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is still their head coach. Uh, I don't really understand why he is currently the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals when his entire success comes from when DeAndre Hopkins is healthy and... Kyler Murray improvises every single one of his plays. Mm. Very few times has Kyler Murray succeeded because of Cliff Kingsbury. He succeeds in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. And and we say it every game. It's like, Cliff, what are we doing? Mm. Uh, What are these play calls? Why why are we trying to throw long developing routes when our offensive line can't give Kyler more than two seconds to to do anything? when, When the Cardinals are good, it is either when he can just throw the ball, when Kyler can throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, or when Kyler is out of his mind making ridiculous improvisational plays and throws. That is it. Whenever they have to, whenever they are kept on schedule in a box without DeAndre Hopkins, we've seen it because DeAndre Hopkins has been hurt a little more frequently than you would like. They're not a good offense. It is really frustrating because of how good of a quarterback Kyler Murray is. We've seen it. We see it. He's got the arm talent. He's got the the agility that nobody's ever seen the quarterback position before. I mean, he is so hard to bring down in the pocket in the open field and you got a coach that is not really setting him up for success and a front office that isn't setting up for setting him up for success because they're not spending picks. Like they traded their first round pick for a wide receiver when you said it a, a offensive lineman would have been a lot much yeah. a lot better investment than, you know, a 26-year-old wide receiver who we already know who he is. Like he's a wide he's a wide receiver a good wide receiver, two a bat, and not a great wide receiver. One we said, I think you said a below average Hollywood, right? Uh,
1: as a wide receiver, one, Oh, yeah, below
0: yeah, he, who, who has drop, nice. who has drop issues, and, and you. You can't have that as as your, your first overall pick or your number one, your first round pick, uh, and then defensively, <laughs> uh, obviously defensively, they they have a whole gamut of issues that that haven't been fixed. They've just signed old guys. Um, they just haven't drafted well. They have exactly drafting wise, it, it hasn't been good. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, both well, those guys just aren't really panning out yeah. yet. And so I say that they're a poverty franchise in the sense that they drafted their quarterback. And they're not going to get anything from him because they have refused to set him up for success.
1: I still think they'll be all right if they can go find a way to go three and three before DeAndre Hopkins gets back, because it is a night and day difference when he's on the field. Like they go from a below-average offense. And the problem is year. the
0: problem is when you're counting on, when you literally are accounting for or when your entire offense counts on DeAndre Hopkins being healthy, it's an issue.
1: Yeah, I mean they're not dysfunctional, but it's bad. I mean, like the Raiders game, second half, it was like that's it. That's what we're looking for right there. But
0: where was it in the first half? Yeah, you look, at the right. Chiefs game. I mean the Rams game, second, it was yeah. It was like what what are we trying to do here? They got thoroughly outplayed from and, the jump.
1: And, The error rate, it's going to really struggle in the red zone. They have no big playability because they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. And it's like for every other offense, one player shouldn't make that big of a difference. And that's true. But no other offense is like the Cardinals in the sense that it is so wide receiver oriented. They don't throw to tight ends all that much. And their wide
0: receiver room is below average.
1: With DeAndre Hopkins, I would say it's a top 5 to 10 room within football. But right now it is way below average. It's below average, yeah. And, and they're going to hurt because of it. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm concerned. Um, fourth takeaway not a homer. Hate making takeaways about the Browns. But this will be my one. If the Browns miss the playoffs, it won't be because of Jacoby Brissett. Um, Crazy. I, I'm only Never saying would this say that. That. because <laughs> nobody else is really talking about this. I don't know why. Jacoby
0: Verset's a uh, top-ten quarterback if you look at the stats this
1: mm, season. But QBR, is eighth so far. He's looked fantastic. And that's not just BS stats. He's looked really good, especially the last two games. He's made all the throws he's needed to against some pretty good secondaries. We're talking yeah. about the Carolina defense with J.C. Horn. And, you know, Brian Burns is a great player. Uh, Steelers defense, even without T.J. Watt. Still fantastic in their secondary. Uh, Still have Cameron Hayward, who's a really good player. Uh, Jets, not so much. (laughs) But still, the numbers he's put up are fantastic, especially out of a backup quarterback-type player. My point being this. If the Browns miss the playoffs or somehow stray from where they need to be, you can point the fingers to coaching or defense or... Even injuries, I guess.
0: I was going to say, it's going to be injuries. It's going to be Jadeveon injuries.
1: on and Miles Garrett both being hurt right now hurts us a little bit. But um, right now, Jacoby Brissett, he will not be the reason why we do not make the playoffs. How about if, that? If, if How about that
0: fleece of Amari Cooper?
1: Oh, yeah. Amari Cooper looks incredible. Got a fifth-round pick traded for him. Uh, obviously... Being paid a lot of money. That was the fifth round pick. That's the reason why he was only a fifth.
0: But hey, he's, he's producing like the yeah. like $20 million he can pay to, or whatever it is 18. But these were the
1: numbers against Pittsburgh 21 for 31, 220 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And you're going to say to me, oh, Obert, well, he's not being asked to do too much. Jimmy G's not being asked to do too much. Look how that's working out for
0: him. Russell Wilson's not being asked to do too much.
1: And, and I'm going to elevate this one more level here. If I am one of these contenders, a Colts, a 49ers, a whatever, what have you, and I'm looking for a guy, you know, if if one of my older veteran types isn't getting the job done, I'm looking at Jacoby Brissett. He is too good to be sitting on the Browns bench in November and December behind Deshaun Watson holding a clipboard, you know, as the Browns make the playoffs with DW4. He's too good to be doing that. I, if I'm one of these teams, I, the Steelers even, Obviously, we would never trade to the Steelers, but, like, there are teams out there. He is much better than a lot of NFL starters today. And, I mean, even if you look at him traits-wise, he's a big physical guy. He, you know, gives you some athleticism. Um, He's a pretty good runner. Not a great runner, but he's a pretty good runner. Uh, He's an accurate passer, doesn't have a giant arm, but he is just the classic... I think he's a classic fit for, you know, a... You know, like the 15th, 16th best starter within the NFL, not getting paid a lot, and uh, just does enough. He's not going to turn the ball over. I'm not not hearing any buzz about him. Zero. That's the only reason why I made this takeaway. Yeah. And I I think he could be, if I'm one of these contenders, I'm trading a pick for him. You can't. Or two.
0: You can't, because the Browns aren't going to trade him. No, when TW4 gets back. You can't, because it'll be after the trade deadline. Uh, okay in the off season then That's the thing is that you're going to have to you're going to have to hope that he can duplicate that success in your system. That's yeah. the thing I don't know if he can cuz we saw him in Frank Reich's system he wasn't great He's playing much better now than he did then, and so that's the only that's the only issue I have. Now. I mean, it could be true. Um, fourth takeaway for me: special teams is very, very, very important. I know you're you're not a big fan of special teams, and if it was your way, we would have a free for all, being able to destroy the kickers and punters. I like
1: I like special teams in a sense, like returning. I, I think is good and stuff like that. Just like kicking and punting, I don't the, think is very
0: valuable. The Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, r- really, you can talk about either the Broncos or the 49ers, but the the Bills and Chiefs lost their games because of special teams errors. The Bills missed a field goal that was a chip shot. Mm. It's like, oh, how are you going to do that? 45 yards? I, I Was it? Was it? I thought it was closer. It was, okay. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Um, my <laughs> point is they missed They missed a field goal that they lost by two. Would have put them up. The Chiefs missed two field goals, I believe. Was it two or was it only one? I can't remember.
1: Oh, I think it was two. I think it was
0: two. They missed two field goals in the fourth quarter that would have gave them the lead over the Colts. Now Certainly you, had a lot of mistakes. Holy cow. We already talked about the Lions and, and their their field goal uh, attempt at the end of the game. Now you look at the Broncos and 49ers game, in which I think we had 17 combined punts. Mm. 473 yards for the Broncos punter. I think it was net yards. Like 378 for the, uh, for the 49ers punter. They had I think between the two of them they had nine punts or nine or so seventeen, I think it was 11 punts between the two of them down inside the 20 yard line. Yeah, like that is the reason that the Broncos won the game is because they were able to get the safety on the punt that was down at the line. It, yeah. the, both offenses kept having to start inside their own five yard line. It, it was It was unbelievable that is, That stuff is so important, and I feel like also thin air, thin air. It's true. Altitude ball flies a little bit further. Um, people really don't give the respect to the special teams because they're kickers. It's like they're just kickers. But in a game like that where That's your offense That's exactly why I don't give them respect. <laughs> where your offenses suck, it, it, the Broncos and 49ers couldn't do anything offensively, the punters are the most important play. They're the most valuable players on the team that day. Because if you're able to if you're able to get off clean punts time and time and time again, I forgot about Kansas City's muffed punt uh, with, with mm. Sky Moore. It just basically gave the Colts a free touchdown. Um, but if you're able to consistently down a team and make them drive at least 80 yards, if not 85, 95, 90 uh, yards to score a touchdown you are going to be in a much better position to win that game than you would be otherwise. So I just wanted to give special teams a quick little shout-out.
1: My only thing is I would introduce uh, or no roughing the kicker, no roughing the punter. I just feel like we see too many times guys are a half second away, and maybe they would just dive a little bit more, or go a little bit more out if they weren't worried about a roughing the kicker or roughing the punter. Punter penalty, which would just add more excitement and bigger hits to the game, and I think I would do it so it's like if you're within like a half second of like the ball being kicked or something like that, or like a quarter of a second, yeah, something really tight because I feel like so many are off by just like a millisecond. You know what I mean? So it's it's close, but not quite. Let's take away. The Saints are at a very strange point in their franchise. Um, I feel like this happens every ten years. They have like one unbelievable draft class every ten years. Seventeen. And, you know, it's like a weird mix of stars after, you know, in, in different points of their franchise. Drew Brees, he was, you know, the dude for uh, New Orleans. They were fantastic in the early 2010s with guys like Marquise Colston and Darren Sharper. I mean, just a loaded roster. Uh, Tracy Porter, um, who was it? I think it was Mark Ingram back in the yep. early 2010s. It was, yeah. Um, Reggie Bush, obviously, too, was an absolute dude. Uh, tight end was good. I forget his name though.
0: Oh, uh, uh, Jimmy Graham.
1: Yeah, Jimmy Graham. I was thinking of another guy in their Super Bowl uh, run, but
0: where did he get there?
1: Jeremy Shockey, is who I'm thinking yep, of. Yep,
0: you are. Um,
1: yep. and he was he was a really good player. Good old line they had. Uh, Pierre Thomas. Yeah, about that one? Pierre Thomas pulling player. that one. I feel um, like we're
0: missing a wide receiver that I, I can't remember.
1: Yeah, can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but they had just an absolute team. Those guys kind of got older, and it was just kind of this weird mix then. You know what I mean? Uh, Fajita too. Remember him? Scott Fujita, I think, was his name. Number 99, that linebacker. Right up the middle, he went to USC, I think. No, I know. Uh, he was a good player. Uh, Jonathan Vilma.
0: Yes, Jonathan Vilma. There yep. you go.
1: Um, it was just a loaded team. And then those guys start to get older, and they start to progress, and then they start to graduate, and they're not a part of the team anymore. And then it's Jimmy Graham, and he starts to get older, and then he starts to leave. They traded him for Max Unger, I think, from the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Yep. And Which then, is a trade. Yeah. Fantastic and, trade for them, And then
1: actually. they were kind of like, just like, okay, kind of struggled to win the NFC South. Took a backseat to the Panthers. You know, all those guys that were on that Super Bowl team got older. Mark Ingram left. You kind of lose some of the pieces. Mark Keith Colston isn't part of the team anymore. Whatever. And from 2012 to 2015, they were just meh. 2016 even, too. And then you get into these late Drew Brees years where they make this huge push. And it was 2017, 2018. They were in this really weird spot where their quarterback is clearly past his prime. Yeah, But the players around him are as good as it's they've it's ever been. They
0: drafted, that 2017 draft class was unbelievable.
1: And it was guys like Michael Thomas, Cameron Jordan, um, Andrews Peet. Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchick. Mm-hmm. And so on. I think even DeMario Davis, maybe. No. I don't know if he was there at that point, that early on. But um, And so it was just like th- that, this weird mix of, you know, like young emerging stars, but like a weird quarterback situation where your quarterback's pass to this prime. Okay, now Drew Brees leaves, retirement. Sean Payton retires. Okay, now you have all of these guys in their prime, aging stars, but... You have no quarterback. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't help. It doesn't help that Jameis is also dealing with fractured vertebrae and uh, an ankle injury now, too. Said a huge excuse at every point in his career. But,
1: okay. Um. And so now a it's Jameis just. Guy, um, so I give him excuses. Yeah, more excuses than any player in the history of the NFL. That, that's what I've heard, quite frankly. And now they're in this extremely weird situation in the point of their franchise. It was like this in 2018. Now it's like this in 2022. And, you know, it's been like this for a long time. They're just kind of in a weird lumbo spot where it's like, I don't know if we want to compete. I don't know if we want to rebuild. We're too talented to rebuild, but we don't have the quarterback position. Listen to the age of these stars, folks. Listen. Oh, shoot. Phone's going off. He's getting a call. Um, Was it an important call? No. Yes, um, Demario Davis, age 33. Cameron Jordan, age 33. Tyron yeah. Matthew, age 30. Jarvis Landry, age 29. Michael Thomas, age 29. Ryan Ramchek, age 28. Andrews Pete, age 28. Mark Ingram, uh, I didn't put that down, but over 30. Is he, is he on Alvin the Alvin Kamara, yeah, he is. Age 27.
0: See, he's got to be like 32, 33,
1: 34. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, age 27. I put in quotation, 35 in running back years. You're right. Um, So they're just in a really weird spot. They need a guy to come in that can help them compete now. Do I know of anybody? Yeah, I know of one, Jacoby Brissett. But the point is this. um, They... (laughs) Have no answer at quarterback. It's like a weirdly loaded roster with also a lot of young hey, but this guys. This is a really too. deep
0: quarterback class.
1: Um, Apparently, a really deep quarterback <laughs> class with only two good quarterbacks. Don't really get how that works. Anthony
0: Richardson, though. Who
1: can't throw the ball past 10 yards. No, he, looked, no, he looked
0: really. He actually like looked I good. I didn't watch against that game. But. He did. It was weird. It was like. He inverted. He was good at throwing the ball and didn't run the ball a ton. He threw for like 400 yards.
1: I'm sure that they would know that that was what Tennessee's game plan was going to be, hey, force the ball out of his hands. Well, he was making
0: throws down the field, and the ball looked really nice coming out of his hand. I don't know if it was just because he throws a tight spiral that was like, hey. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Maybe he turned a corner.
1: The point is this. I have no idea what they do. You can't rebuild. You can't. What are you going to do, throw away all that talent? We know in the NFL those guys aren't going to go for first-round picks. Yeah. They're not. Maybe Marshawn Lattimore, but he's still 26. So I, I, I don't know what you really want to do, but you got to do something. And, I, I mean, I don't know if it's quarterback that's the answer. I don't know if it's coaching that's the answer. But the offense looked terrible. You have too many good players to rebuild, so you're probably going to have to figure something out, but they are in a very weird situation, and I don't know what the answer is, quite frankly. Try and upgrade at quarterback would be my best guess, but they've Get traded away so many first-round picks. They don't have the ammunition to trade up for yeah. a quarterback. It's going to be weird.
0: Yeah, it is. Deep quarterback class, though. Lucky for them. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's finally it's finally time To say this, Tom Brady is washed. And it might have been time a couple years ago, too. Um, 2019 in New England, he was terrible. Yeah, but last two years, I mean, clearly he wasn't washed. Why? Why was he not washed? Because he had the perfect situation around him. We have seen 2019, this season, when things start to crumble around him, he doesn't have a great offensive line. He doesn't have great weapons. He's not a great quarterback. This season, so far, he's had three games. Week one against the Cowboys... His offense scored 19 points. Week two against the Saints, they had a defensive touchdown, his offense scored 13 points. Week three against the Packers, his offense scored 12 points. He went for 271, 190, 212. He's thrown three touchdowns, has a pick, and his average I think he's- his average is uh, he's so he threw 42 attempts, 271 yards, 34 attempts, 190, 27, 212. He is not only not efficient right now, but he is not doing what, you know, the supposed GOAT Tom Brady used to do, was put the team on his back with, you know, not great receivers. Like, the thing about Tom Brady was always, you know, he makes guys better around him.
1: I don't know if he ever carried. No, because
0: he always had a defense. That's right. But my, my point was is that he carried the offense. Like, in terms right. of, he, he had these these no-name receivers, you know, like, uh, uh, what's what's his name? Um, obviously, you had Julian Edelman, but who's the Chris Hogan? um he had some pretty good receivers, New England. I would say. I mean, it was a lot of you
1: know white guys, but it was you know it was Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola was the, Danny Amendola. For a couple of years. But those guys aren't like Rob Gronkowski was his tight end at his. Yeah, but that was that years. was the one
0: like elite pass catcher, pass catcher. That the, the thing about Tom Aaron Brady was Hernandez. was always that <laughs> was always that. Oh, he makes guys better around him. Well, I'm not seeing that this year. Uh, he looks. It, this looks like 2019 where he's. 2019 was actually worse because he literally could not throw the ball. Um, But in terms of his ability to do anything really exemplary elite this year, he's good. That is about it. He's good in some areas, but he's below average in most other areas. I I think this is the final year of Tom Brady. Um, I know this is the final year of Tom Brady because he's definitely going to retire after this season. But, you know, you you almost wish for him that he went out after his season last year. He threw for uh, was it five thousand yards and forty yeah. some odd touchdowns instead of this year where he's going to throw for thirty eight hundred yards and twenty touchdowns. For the record,
1: I don't think it was Washington twenty. I think like in the last two years, yes, he had the perfect system around him. I I, I agree with you, but my question is this: Did you ever see him make a or you know have a throw where you're like, oh my gosh, wow, you know twenty ten? Tom Brady would have made that throw. Because to me... In 2019?
0: No, 2020, 2021. You know what I mean? 2019, he was... He was, uh, he was six, bad. He was 60% completion percentage, 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 8 picks. That was his it's worst year. That it was his worst year by far. It's not even that bad, though. <laughs> oh, shoot. But
1: I my point being this, like... His arm, according to everyone close to Tom Brady, is as good as it's ever been, and uh, or at least was in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Yeah,
0: but twenty nineteen it wasn't. Like it was visible that he was struggling to make throws. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I think he just. I think he moved to Florida. His his arm, you know, loosened up a bit with the warm weather. Yeah, and uh, he might have injected himself with some. Oh shoot! Uh, I'm not gonna not gonna finish that. He's gonna find me. We good? That, yep. was, that was a long one. We're up to an hour and a half. Oof. Uh, we, had a, we had a couple of rants in there. I, I went off on a couple of things. Um, yeah, you, you talked about Texas mm. uh, like you always do. Um, passionately, that is. But yeah, I think we're all good. Okay, he's got to go take a phone call. Thank you guys for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Catch you on the flip. See ya.